We want to discuss this morning and have as our theme the church, the church as Paul teaches and all of his teaching on the church and see the church of our Lord, the church of Christ, the body of Christ from the viewpoint of Paul's teaching because it's important that we view the teachings of the Holy Spirit in such a way as to help us to see and appreciate the truth. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, and let us see how he emphasized the church as the eternal purpose of God, the church as the eternal purpose of God. So he really answers uh, who we are, where we came from, what our purpose is, and, and uh, where we're going to uh, in this great teaching. In the uh, third chapter, uh, let's just begin at the first verse. He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of the Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote for in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. A false teaching by the Holy Spirit, by inspiration, is that this great message about the church of our Lord, the body of Christ, is not only for the Jews, but is for the Gentiles. And it was unknown and not explained in dispensations before this, but now it's explained, and he's explaining it. He says, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the grace of the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he is, is really allowing them to know that the message has in store for all people abundant amount of blessings and through eternity forever and ever more than we could ever imagine, and he describes them as the unsearchable riches of Christ. And if we could just stop and ponder that, we can see that it is very important for us to understand and to digest the teachings of Paul on the great body of Christ, the church of our Lord and Jesus, Savior Jesus Christ. His purpose was, in the ninth verse, was to make all men see what is the fellowship of the, the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, 
who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known, and I want you to look at his teaching on this, the way we make known to people the unsearchable riches of Christ and the message of salvation is our job. It's by the church. And it's called the manifold wisdom of God. We reach out and we touch people with the, the many folds that are in the wisdom of God is contained in the gospel of Christ, in the message of salvation. All the wisdom that man needs is in the gospel. According to the eternal purpose, the 11th verse says, the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are participants in the eternal purpose of Christ. Now, I want you to look back at the second chapter of that Ephesian letter, and he the 18th verse says, For through him we both have access by the Spirit. And he's talking about both the Jews and the Gentiles. We both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And we're built upon the apostles and prophets. And since he names the apostles... And then he names the prophets. He certainly, they belong to, and, and then he names Jesus Christ, himself being the chief cornerstone. So all of the apostles that Christ has appointed and has trained and has left with us, he has given them the message and the message has come to us, and here is one, the Apostle Paul, that he appeared to out of season, and he's given him. And we're built upon the foundation that they have given and laid. And in the 21st verse, it says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together, this is something that's going on. It is something that's present. It is something that's happening in our relationship. It is something that is alive because it is a relationship with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son on the right hand of the Father, and it's based upon teachings from the apostles. And we are living and active, and we are living stones, as Peter has said, and now he is saying here that Jesus is the chief cornerstone in whom ye are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, just to think about that 21st, that 22nd verse, is to think about the living, active people that are worshiping and serving God. And these people, this body of Christ, if you'll just turn with me to the last part of the first chapter, he, this is what he brought about. 
Look at the 20th verse. This is what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, dominions, and might, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. That's what he did when he raised him from the dead. And he put him all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. The church is the eternal purpose of God. The church are the people who are brought together by faith in him. And the church, defined here in the 23rd verse of the first chapter, is the body of Christ. It's the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, there isn't any more of Christ than just what's in the church. That's what these verses say. He became the head of the church, and the church is his body, and the body is the fullness of him that is in, is filled with him. Now, we come back to the question and we may ask, well, Paul, if you're teaching that, then what is your teaching on how I get into Christ? Well, he taught that too. He taught how to get into Christ and how to get in the body. And when he taught that, he taught us how to become a follower of Christ or he taught us how to be a Christian. Now, I want you to I want you to turn to, if I want you to look at that passage again, that 23rd verse. Paul's teaching on the body and the church is that it's the fullness of Christ. That's what that passage says. Now, his teaching on how to get into Christ and how to put on Christ is also the teaching of how to get in the church. Now turn to his letter to the Galatian brethren, and it comes just before Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians. And he's teaching them in the third chapter and the 26th and the 27th verses. He says, For you are all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized, now look at that, into is from the word ace, which means from without to within. Always means from without to within. In the original language, there are many scholars who, who give you that definition. From without to within have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you'll turn to the second first Corinthians, which is the book just back from that one, 
1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Galatians. 1 Corinthians, the, when he writes to these Corinthian people in the 12th chapter and the 13th verse, he also tells them how to get in, not into Christ, but into the body. Now, this is important for a person who wants to become a Christian and wants to follow Christ and wants to follow Paul's teaching on the church. And somebody, it may be the first time they've seen this. But here's his teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. He said, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now, this is the same writer that says he is the head of the body of the church, the fullness. Here he says, it's by one spirit that you're baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, or have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now you might ask the question, Paul, are you talking about Holy Spirit baptism? And is that what you're talking about, that you have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? to get into the body of Christ? Would you teach that? Or we have to say, well, what did he teach on, how could it be by the Spirit and not be Holy Spirit baptism? Well, it's simple. Jesus said, if you're not born of the water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But he named the water there. Jesus did. And Jesus said the seed of the, the kingdom is the word of God. And the word of God has to be planted in the hearts and lives of people. And you have to be born of the water and of the spirit, but the spirit has given the seed, which is the word of God. It comes by the spirit. And when Jesus said, if my word doesn't bite in you, you can't bite in me. So there's another contradiction. But you know, Paul helps us with that Ephesian letter, back over to the Ephesian letter, in the conclusion that what I've said is certainly true, that the word has to be planted in the heart and life of people, and the Spirit is given the word, and man has received the teaching, and it's according to Jesus' teaching. But in the fourth chapter of Ephesian uh, Paul is writing, and it's in the same letter that he said there's one body, and that he said Christ is the head of the body, and he, he is the, it's the fullness of Christ. Look at the fourth chapter. Look at the fourth chapter of Ephesians, when he says, in the fourth, ver fifth verse, uh, the fourth verse, he says, there is one body. Well, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, I've already written in the first chapter, I said he is the head of the body of the church. I've already defined it. This is Paul's teaching on the church. And he said it's the mystery of God. It's the eternal purpose of God. But it's the body of Christ. And if it's the body of Christ, then there's just one. There's one. Look at the, the fourth verse. There is one body, and there's one spirit. Now the body has to be one of a kind, and the spirit has to be one of a kind. And in there, you have one hope. That's the eternal purpose of God. We're all going to be with him forever and ever. And the one Lord, 
is certainly our Savior, and there is one faith and one baptism, and if there's one baptism, it couldn't be the Spirit or you'd have a duplication there. Are you with me? All these ones are here. It's not the baptism of the Spirit. It's the baptism that he is, is one of and which one he's commanded. And he commanded, Ethiopian eunuch said, well, here's water on him he to be baptized with. The Gentile, first convert, he said, who can forbid water that these should be baptized? So if baptism is mentioned with that, we know that it has to be the one baptism, has to be the water baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, when you put these things together, you can understand that Paul's teaching of the church is, is equivalent to the body of Christ, but it's equivalent to everybody who listens to him and hears and obeys. Let's turn over to the Hebrew, to the, the Titus, the third chapter, and he mixes all of this. He, he puts it all so so beautifully here when he shows how people become taught and are and are really made a part of the body of Christ. Look at Titus. The third chapter, Titus comes after Timothy, and the fourth verse says, After that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. When did he do that? Well, when you were baptized into his body, when you put him on, according to Galatians 3.27, Wicks and 27, of faith. It is by grace of God that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the whole of eternal life. And the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. He says that the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared, hath, hath appeared, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's in the eleventh verse of the second chapter, Titus. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. How did it appear? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now when you put Paul's teaching together, when you understand that we started out in the third chapter of Ephesians, where that it was his purpose to teach people of the eternal purpose of God that had been taught since the foundation of the world, or had been planned since the foundation of the world. It hadn't been made known until just now. It's made known. And when Jesus came, 
and when in the fullness of time and died, and when that great gospel was preached, people began to respond. On the day of Pentecost, Paul preached the same gospel that he had, and people listened to it, and they acknowledged they had killed him and put him to death. And he said, they said, what shall we do? He said, you just repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's too easy to misunderstand. It's equivalent to Jesus as he was ascending into heaven, says, go preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized, shall be saved. It's equivalent to what Paul preached on the day of Pentecost when he said that this same Jesus you've crucified and he's at the right hand of God and they said what can we do and he said you just repent and be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sin and they did it and, and that day they were added to the body they were added to the body daily that such that should be saved now who was it that should be saved well, according to Jesus, he that believed that was baptized was saved. According to Paul, they that were baptized in the Christ, put on Christ, they were saved. And you know, for people to come into the great uh, uh, atmosphere that we now are in and the great opportunities and teach that Christ is going to save universally those who just accept him as the Christ without obedience to the gospel is contrary to what Paul taught. In his Roman letter in the fifth verse of the first chapter, he said, it was the obedience of faith that was to be taught when Christ raised from the dead. In the last chapter of that great book that he wrote, he said it was for the obedience of faith that the gospel was to be preached. Now, you and I need to understand that the Apostle Paul taught, and I want to close with this great uh, closing here that Paul teaches in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, that there is a, a great plea on his part. I want you to look at the 16th verse of the fourth chapter. The 15th verse says, For speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When we're made member of this great body, according to Paul, we just become a great people, and we become the body of Christ. This I say, therefore, testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, be of cause of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feelings, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt to the deceitful lusts. Now this he's speaking to Christians 
whom he had worked with for three years, two years and three months. He's in prison. He's telling them the body of Christ is made up of people who are in Christ and are alive through Christ, and Christ is helping them. The Spirit they've received, the Spirit of Christ, Christ himself and God the Father all coordinate the unity of the Trinity is in a person who's in the body of Christ. We can't explain it. We just believe it and preach it. And the 23rd verse says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's a constant thing. And the church of our Lord is made up of people who've acknowledged Christ as the Lord and Savior who become a member of his body, washed in his blood, and has access to the Father through prayer, and knows that they have the unsearchable riches when this life is over. And it's something that you put on every day. Look at the 24th verse. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're created in the likeness of God by faith every day because we fail to, we refuse to be a part of the world's activity. Repentance is a constant activity of the Christian. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. can be angry, but you don't sin. You just correct it and ask forgiveness before the sun goes down. You never give place to the devil if you're a member of the body of Christ. If you stole, you don't continue to steal. You labor working with your hands that you may help those who are in need. You do not curse and let communication come out of your mouth that is not for edifying and building up. On the contrary, you do things that minister and help other people. And Christ is just as near as those people who put him on and act like that. We appropriate the Holy Spirit and we don't grieve him because we're sealed by him. We're given strength by him. We're helped by him. And in so doing, the 31st verse comes natural. We give up bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking because it's a choice of a person who's in Christ. And we put away the malice and the anger that would build up and destroy ourselves and others. On the other hand, we're kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ have forgiven us. This is Paul's treatment of what it is to be a member of the body of Christ in the church. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, you can be by believing, repenting of your sins, and being baptized into him as we stand together and sin.